This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. This is the second part in a series. You may want to go back and listen to the first half to get a little context. In the last episode, we talked about things we so often hear this time of year. That there's a war on Christmas. December should be reserved just for the birth of Jesus. None of this happy holidays stuff. Which is a little strange. I don't think this is breaking news, but Christmas is not the only holiday in December. It's not even the only one having to do with biblical events. What about Hanukkah? There's really no reason we Christians can't get behind this holiday. Or maybe there is. To get a little feedback, I put out a call on our social media feeds to see what people think about Hanukkah. Can Christians celebrate it? John Wilkerson of the Wired Homeschool and Struggling for Purpose podcasts said this. I think it's a way for us to show solidarity with the believers of the root faith of Christianity. I also asked around my church, do you think Christians should celebrate Hanukkah? I, you know, maybe. I, Like I was telling you earlier, our family likes to celebrate Seder and the Passover, and I think that's a really neat Easter connection to our faith. And, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know much about Hanukkah, so as more that I learn, maybe that'd be a really neat thing to add. I believe that it was done away with when Christ came to die for our sins on the cross, which is why we celebrate Christmas, not because of fat men in, in big red suits. You can quote me on that. I have no comment. How about that? My wife would not. <laughs> it's controversial. Can we celebrate Hanukkah or not? I think we need to understand what we're talking about before we really make that judgment call. In the previous episode, we discussed Daniel chapter 11, which predicts a lot of the events leading up to the holiday. It demonstrates to us that scripture is reliable, if nothing else, because so many prophecies have come true. Today, we'll continue in that vein and uncover the reason for Hanukkah. Once we have a base, then we'll ask, can we, or should we, pay more attention to the Festival of Lights? You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to see how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truths. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. My guest today is Bruce Gore. 
With his permission, I'm using audio from some lectures he's given. He's the author of Historical and Chronological Context, the Bible. Let's pick up with Daniel 11:33 through 35, read in a rich, buttery voice by my friend Bob Stevenson. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, yet they may fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall, in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time. Daniel 11.33-35 The verse says that there are going to be two groups, one that goes with the Greeks and worships idols, and the resistance. There's going to be some bloodshed. We're going to cover it broadly, but you can read more information about it in the apocryphal books of the Maccabees. Two groups, one that follows God and one that doesn't. They would appear later in the Bible in the New Testament under new names. One group was called the Jewish Hellenists. These were the proto-Sadducees. In Jesus' time, the Sadducees were the religious leaders who denied that people could be raised from the dead. They basically embraced the pagan worship at this point. They were willing to not put up a fuss and simply allow the terms of new life in Jerusalem to be implemented as uh, indicated. They gave in. Greek kings wanted their subjects to behave in Greek Hellenistic ways. These proto-Sadducees were the ones who said, wait, we can look more like the culture? And then they changed. Like a teenager who really wants to be part of the mean girl clique. They'll do anything to look like the cool kids. The other group were called the Hasidim, the pious ones. These are the proto-Pharisees. These guys, in the time of Jesus, were the group that did believe in the resurrection of the dead. They're part of the resistance to the Greeks. They take a stand. But it doesn't work out for them. In Daniel 11, it says they'll fall by sword and by flame. Sadly, that came to pass. And thousands died. Which leads us to the Maccabean Revolt. Don't know anything about this revolt? Well, that's fine. You've probably heard of the holiday that celebrates this uprising. It's called Hanukkah. That's right, Hanukkah is about the resistance. Like Star Wars and May the 4th, as in, may the 4th be with you. 167 BC, there's a small town called Modien. It looks like it should be pronounced Modin, which sounds way cooler, like it belongs in an old Western movie. There's a band of soldiers going around and harassing all the small towns around Jerusalem. And Modien is 20 miles outside the city. So these Syrian troops come, and as they commonly did, demanded that the folks engage in public pagan worship. If this were an old western, they'd be riding into town on horses, guns blazing, spitting tobacco juice, and making demands of a tiny mining town north of Cheyenne. They're just asking for a posse to show up. What these soldiers wanted was pagan worship. If you, as the king, could unify your empire under a religion, preferably one that thought you were a god, you just might be able to control them. The priest in that town was a man by the name of Mattathias. He was about 80 years old. I want to imagine this guy sitting on a wooden sidewalk, rocking back in a chair, polishing his rifle. 
And then... He actually manhandled one of them, grabbed his sword, and slew about eight of these Syrian soldiers and two or three of the Jewish people who were about to go ahead and, and do this thing. I mean, he just went crazy, you know? The old guy does it. Tired of being pushed around, his belief system being made a mockery of, he kicks them out of Dodge. He would not worship a pagan god, not even under the threat of death. This is one tough old bird. He started the Maccabean Revolt. Mattathias, this old guy, gathers all these people and they go into the wilderness in a guerrilla-style campaign against the Syrian Greeks. Mattathias died one year into the revolt, but, lucky for the revolt, he had five sons. Five boys in one house, thousands of years before deodorant. The middle son is a guy named Judas. This, by the way, was well before it was taboo to name your son Judas. He was eventually nicknamed Judas Maccabeus. The Syrian translation for Maccabeus means hammer. Judas the Hammer. The best nickname in the Apocrypha, hands down. Judas rises as the leader of the revolt, winning a bunch of stunning victories and becoming a real problem for these Syrian Greeks. Finally, in 165, Judas was able to retake Jerusalem and rededicate the temple. The temple in Jerusalem, that's the one that Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated with the pig, the abomination of desolation. If you've read the Old Testament, you know that they have all of these instructions for how to take care of the temple. There are ways to cleanse it ceremonially, clean it up physically, and get things running again. That's just what these guys did. In 165 BC, they took back the temple and celebrated, but they ran into a snafu. They didn't have enough special consecrated oil for the lamps. And so in faith, they went ahead and lit these uh, the, the lampstand there in the temple, and then as the story goes, and I'm not willing to deny it, miraculously, the lamp kept burning for eight days even though there was clearly not enough oil to keep it going. It was about keeping light going with too little oil. Jewish people remember this special event as the Festival of Lights, or Hanukkah where they light a candle every day, one for each of the eight days the lamps stayed lit. They do it to remember when the Jewish people kicked out the Syrian Greeks and rededicated the temple. There are two main reasons why I like this story so much. Number one, it demonstrates to us the importance of remaining faithful, even when the culture tells us to do otherwise. Second, it speaks volumes about the reliability of the Bible, because so many of these events, the breaking up of Alexander's kingdom, the kings of the north and the south, the marriage between the two, even the desecration of the temple were foretold hundreds of years before they happened. Which is amazing. When a prophet gets it right, you kinda gotta listen. There is a twist, of course, when it comes to Hanukkah, and there always is. For Christians, we're told in 1 Peter to obey every human authority, and that's not what the Maccabees did. They fought back in a literal, physical war. It's kind of hard to be subject to human authority when you're in the midst of a war, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Here's Bruce's thoughts on the subject. Oh, I think the original uh, spirit of the Maccabean Revolt was entirely legitimate. I think the father, Mattathias, who was a priest, who was actually the old man that that launched the whole thing in the first place, he had the five sons, you know, Judas was the middle of five sons. 
Uh, he was doing what I think any thoughtful Christian would concur is the right thing to do because the New Testament itself allows that when the civil government is pushing me to disobey my fundamental loyalty to Christ, then the civil government can legitimately and in fact must be disobeyed. You know, Paul, Peter, who wrote the letter you just mentioned, also said, to the Sanhedrin one day, recorded in Acts, you judge should we obey God or man? You know, there's a, there, there could be a, a point where there's a, a parting of the ways between obeying civil government and, and following a higher authority. It only applies, however, when the higher authority is demanding that I do something that violates my conscientious duty before God, and that's exactly what the Jewish people were facing. This time of year, we can celebrate the trials we go through to keep the faith, to worship God as He wants to be worshipped. But Hanukkah also calls into question where we stand when it comes to opposing earthly leaders. Can we fight back? When do we resist? And where does our help ultimately come from? What do you think? Can Christians fight against our leaders? Is it okay for us to celebrate Hanukkah? Record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to trucepodcast at yahoo.com. We may even play it on the show. The Truce Podcast is listener supported. Consider maybe giving us a few dollars each month because so far most of this has come out of my pocket. Find all of our social media links on our website at trucepodcast.com. Special thanks to Bruce Gore, author of Historical and Chronological Context of the Bible. You can find his videos on our website, including the full versions of the ones we took clips from. They are nerd bliss. Our logo is by Andy Huff. Roy Browning of the Business Acumen Podcast is teaching me marketing and built our website. Thanks to Bob Stevenson for his voice and for all of my friends at church who lent their voices. The Bible verses today were from the New American Standard. Please tell your friends about the show. I need your help to spread the word. And if you get time, check out my movies Bringing Out Bobby and Between the Walls on Amazon and PureFlix. My novel Cradle Robber is on your favorite ebook platform. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce.